0: Welcome to Studying Pixels, a terrible marketing podcast on game studies and video game culture. I'm Stefan Heinrich Simond, I'm a game studies scholar from Germany. I'm Dan Hughes, a Japanese scholar from Texas. And you can find us every Sunday on studyingpixels.com and wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to talk about some terrible marketing choices that we have collected. Because we
1: just were in the mood for a fun episode, and these are just too good not to be told. This was so much fun to research. It was like, what's the opposite of? Well, I guess, I guess, terrible things can be nostalgic, right? (laughs) Yeah, terrible things that can be
0: nostalgic. But here's the actual word for what we are what we will experience, which is Schadenfreude. Ah, (laughs) yeah. One of my favorite German words. Yes, for, for everyone who might not know what that means. Schaden is damage and Freude is joy. So this is kind of the joy you experience
1: over the misfortune of others. Yes. It's it's a beautifully German phrase and one that I think we all we all take part in, perhaps more often than we like to admit. Yeah. And this episode is actually all about that, because some of these are really
0: terrible, some of these marketing choices. And we're just gonna relish in whoever whoever came up with all of these ideas. Just maniacs, I think, is the short answer. (laughs) (laughs) Just people who just want to see the world burn. (laughs) That's right. Hey, but if you don't want to see the world burn, and if you instead rather want to see a whole lot of fun Studying Pixels episodes, then you can do that by becoming a Studying Pixels Plus member. You will get, number one, all of our episodes uh, completely ad-free. You will get, number two, a lovely sticker that says I am studying pixels and you will get number three beautiful monthly plus episodes that we produce. Some of them are game culture deep dives, others actually help you study. And this month we did one of these deep dive episodes on the tragic death of the PS Vita, one of our most beloved handhelds and its very sad departure. Rest in peace. Rest in peace PS Vita. If you want to find out more about that, then you can go to studyingpixels.com/plus.
2: Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
0: With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
1: down. So I would like to kick this off by saying I think that there's a there's a plethora of terrible marketing choices but I think they come down yeah they come down to a couple of different categories and I would say that one of the most prevalent categories from the early to mid-2000s is surreal stupidity (laughs) I guess is is how I would describe it these are just things where you watch them and you don't even know what it's advertising until the very end of it. And then you think, what the hell was that? <laughs> right? Ah, it's one so. of
0: those advertisements. That's actually something that's described in uh, media studies. Niklas Luhmann, he described this in the reality of mass media, that oh, yeah. advertisement has this kind of attempt to legitimize itself by basically getting rid of the actual product and only putting it in as like, almost like as if, it is an afterthought. It involves you as if it was an actual story or a piece of art or something, and then yeah. suddenly it comes in. And by the way, this is all about this product. <laughs> it's for the,
1: yeah, yeah, this for Toyota. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think the the closest analog I have to these outside of the realm of video games is. Do you know that that infamous Cadbury chocolate commercial with the uh, the gorilla playing the drum fill in um, the air tonight? <laughs> that song do you know this one i don't i mean it sounds fantastic it, <laughs> <laughs>
0: it doesn't exist it didn't exist in germany not that i'm aware okay
1: of. yeah i think i think it was a uk ad and i think it just made its way over here on on youtube
0: Ah, oh, was it was it the one for
1: some kind of uh, fair traded uh, stores fair traded chocolate or something no i think it was oh maybe i don't know It. it I, th- I thought it was cadbury um but it's, it's, I'll, but here's the, here's the point I'm making is that we don't remember what it's advertising. <laughs> we remember the weirdness, right? So did you ever see, cause I know that this existed in the UK and the US. I don't know if it was in Germany, but the, the PSP ad that had two squirrels in it. Do you know what no. I'm talking about? It was an animated no, ad. No,
0: no. I don't, okay. an animated
1: one. Yeah. So it was this sort of sketch animated commercial and it was two squirrels that uh, were talking in. I can I can only say like a slightly <laughs> racially charged accent. Um, and they one of them was in a tree, and the other was outside. And the one outside was saying, "Hey, man, come outside." And he says, "I can't. I'm playing nut." And the first squirrel says, "But you can play nut outside. It's portable now." And he says, "What?" He says, "Yep. It's like a nut you can play outside." And then a board announcer voice comes on and says psp it's like a nut you can play outside
3: oh my god
1: it was just like the all i can think is in the sony boardroom whoever the advertising agents were they were all sat around and thinking how can we make the stupidest ad with the playstation (laughs) portable possible and in fact we would like to make an ad that maybe discourages people from buying our product. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think this
0: sounds, as you said, it sounds typically early 2000s.
1: Yeah.
3: As in
0: just being weird. These advertisements, like television advertisements in that time, they were weird beyond comprehension.
1: Yes. And I think, so this was, yes, smack dab in the middle of the aughts. This was 2006. And... In fairness, right? We're talking about it now. Um, I remember this ad for how terrible it was. And I don't know that it's not the reason I bought a PSP. The reason I bought a PSP was like Final Fantasy seven crisis core or something. But <laughs> I, I remember this ad and I remember how awful it was. And there was a whole campaign where it was just these nonsensical ads with these squirrels or with like dust bunnies on a carpet and It had nothing to do with the PSP, and you were only reminded of what they were selling when the bored narrator came on to tell you that the PlayStation Portable exists. (laughs) Jesus. I mean,
0: we've actually, I I got one on the PSP as well. It seems that there's kind of a common thread here. Uh, By the way, in total, we've got 10 terrible marketing choices. Oh, yes. We should have mentioned. (laughs) These are going to be 10 in total. So this was your first one. Uh, You got five. I got five. And actually, my first one is also about the PSP. What a coincidence that this device appears on here twice. Quite an honor for Sony, because my terrible marketing choice regarding the PSP relates to the so-called black-white ad, or black and white ad. Uh, Unreal. This, This was... So basically, back in the day, black was the default color of Sony consoles. We know that this is not the case anymore with the PS5. They actually changed that. But... The PS2 was very well-known. It was a black console. And the PSP was also black by default, right? It was sold as a black device. And when Sony announced that it would release a white version of the PSP, they wanted to make a really big deal of it. And they were like, wow, the people are going to love this. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to set up a billboard. And on this billboard, you would see a white model like a female model holding the jaw of a black model fiercely staring into her eyes as if to staring her into submission and (laughs) (laughs) well how am I going to say this I don't know I can't fathom how no one seeing this advertisement would say "Mm." hang on a minute (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe this entire like black, white thing, isn't that black people basically fiercely staring at black people holding that jaw?
1: Maybe it's not such a good idea. I just, it, I swear there's, and there's, there's another story I'm going to get into, but whoever, again, I like to imagine that it's one person in the Sony marketing department and they have these ideas and then everyone else in the boardroom will say, do you think that's a good idea? And he'll say, absolutely, I do. I'm forward with it. <laughs> absolutely. That's, people are going to love that
0: one. And there will be no problems at all. No problems whatsoever. <laughs> and how wrong they were because there was obviously an immediate huge outcry where people were like, why are you plastering the city with your racist posters? And, <laughs> and they, Sony actually had to remove these billboards pretty swiftly and they issued the most terrible apology you can possibly issue it's you know one of you know these apologies when when you do something and it hurts someone and you're saying like oh i'm sorry that you feel offended
1: yeah i'm uh, sorry you felt that way yeah, yeah.
0: sorry that sorry <laughs> that you're offended by something that was actually completely cool but mm, i guess uh, <laughs> sorry that you're such a snowflake <laughs> it's like that, that's the kind of thing that they said because they literally said in their apology and i quote we recognize that the subject matter of one specific image may have caused concern in some countries not directly affected by the advertising. As a result, we have now withdrawn the campaign. End quote. Why say anything?
1: <laughs> Why not just remove the billboards?
0: Yeah, just... or <laughs> and save yourself a headache. Even, even if you just say, like, um, we're sorry for the offense we've caused, we're removing... But implying this kind of thing, we're sorry that some people are like really offended, even though they don't really should care about this. You yeah. know, They don't really, they don't ha- really get it. They're not really eligible to care. But um, <laughs> just because we're so tolerant, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to remove it. Mm, terrible. What kind of time that was.
1: If you, if you haven't seen this, by the way whatever you're thinking in your head, it's worse than you're thinking. Yeah, I looked at it. I looked at it because
0: actually these advertisements, they didn't, as many of these, they didn't exist in Germany um, because probably someone would have intervened and said like, whoa. Someone had more sense, yeah. (laughs) You might not want to do that. Uh, But uh, the thing is that when I looked at it, I also thought, wow. Like I'm, I'm very much willing to give any kind of, stylized form the benefit of the doubt and i don't think it's like y- you don't want to necessarily twist everything so that you can see racist implications everywhere but this is so clear it's not subtle at all that it, it's a, it's just a terrible look
1: yeah you there's not a whole lot of twisting you have to do to get to these these conclusions <laughs> well speaking of sony and twisted um, again, keeping with the, the mid two thousands, um, do you remember the time that Sony killed a goat for God of War? Uh, was it a
0: press event or something where they, where they had it a, was. a dead goat?
1: Yes. So Sony held this, I believe it was for God of War three. Cause it was in 2007. So they, they had this, um, press event that was set up as this kind of, uh, Bacchanalian, Dionys- Dionysian, <laughs> you know, expression of God of War. But because God of War is such a violent franchise, they couldn't let well enough alone. And so the centerpiece of this uh, press conference was a a goat that had been slaughtered ritually as, as if to evoke old Greek tradition. Mm. So yeah, they, they killed a goat for God of War. And the really, <laughs> the really my gruesome my. part was that all of these people who were attending the event, first of all, they were dressed up like characters from God of War. So there were people dressed as, um, you know, the the Greek women in togas and things. And so they were all around this goat and they were taking its entrails out and were encouraged to eat it. Now, I should say, <laughs> these weren't real goat entrails. It was a Greek dish called offal. Um, and so it wasn't like they were ripping into a dead goat and forced to eat its flesh. It was a gimmick, but Sony in keeping with their terrible response, they said, <laughs> uh, it has come to our attention that at the God of war, Oh, it was God of war two. At the God of war two launch showcase, an element of the event was of an unsuitable nature. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the thing is, we spoke about this actually in the last episode about, the morality of harming animals, yes, uh, and that there's some contexts in which it can be morally justified, such as for the case of scientific progress or for the case for the purpose of survival. Well, slaughtering an animal for advertisement—it's not one of them.
1: No, it's it. It just to go back to the the. The Kantian sort of ethics, it just, it leaves a feeling in your gut where you say, that's weird and wrong. I don't like that that's you really did not that. That's really
0: not necessary. That's really not necessary, especially because the thing is, that was the time, actually. You said there was 2007, God of War two, yeah. And at that time, I remember that there were a whole lot of these press events that were so ridiculously over the top. It was just not necessary. You have to imagine this is for press. This yes. is not for like consumer advertisements this is basically to engross journalists in this kind of lavishness so that they come back from the event and say like oh god of war is such an awesome game for that
1: you you bring in a dead goat <laughs> it's like yeah it just it, i mean some of it in fairness right some of the event sounded kind of fun like there was Uh, knife throwing and there was apparently a pit where there were snakes that you could pull out with supervised of course right so that that's kind of interesting but there were also uh topless girls there handing out garlands that kratos was giving out and there was the dead goat and there was the simulated flesh (laughs) you were eating from it It there's just again whoever's in that boardroom at sony Needed to have somebody say, can we think about how this will be received by people who are just reading this online? And I understand all press is good press, but this is gruesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's just over the top. And I actually have a story that relates to that, Mm. which is uh, about Resident Evil 6. Oh, yeah. It's it's also about meat. Uh, Apparently, there's this kind of uh, weird insensitivity when it comes to, well, meat and dead bodies. uh, Because (laughs) Capcom actually went ahead and they wanted to advertise Resident Evil 6, which would actually lead into the absolute downfall of what the series was at the time. So what they did is they uh, they went to London and they opened a fake butcher store. In a London mall, and they called this store Wesker's uh, Wesker and Sons, uh, named after the villain of Resident Evil, the Resident Evil franchise. And what they did is they made this meat look like human meat, even though it was not actual human meat. It was, you know, it, it would be pig meat or chicken meat or beef or whatever, but they shaped it by virtue of the help of an, of an artist who had done similar stunts in the past to make it look like human meat. And it turns out nobody wanted to eat it. And people actually went by and said like, uh, is that should we like maybe call the police or something? They're like literally selling a human arm here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just love the idea of... Because uh, who are you... Who's your audience, right? Because if it's your... Okay, let me let me pitch I'm gonna be a marketing executive for Capcom, yeah. right? Yeah. So let me yeah. let me pitch your Resident Evil stunt uh marketing. So we're gonna open up a a place called Wesker and Sons, which I genuinely think is a clever idea, right? That's yeah, a good Call name. It's a great It's name. a good name. Yeah. Yep. And it's a pop-up shop. And what we're gonna do is we're going to have um, Raccoon City paraphernalia all over the place. We'll have like the umbrella logo. So it'll be clear that this is meant to exist in the world of Resident Evil. I and love it do.
0: because it's like yeah. a spatial external. It's like not just yeah. the world in the game, but it externalizes it into the real world where people are going shopping and they're just like, oh, what's that? And they're curious and they approach it and get a little bit right. closer.
1: And they go in there, right? And so they go in there and it is, it's is—it's a butcher shop and it, all just, it looks like normal meat, right? But for those of for those people who know about Resident Evil, they're a little leery about this place. And for those who aren't, they think, "Oh, what a fun pop up store!" So you're not. It's like you're in on the joke if you understand it, and you're marketing to people who don't know about it in a way that's not offensive and gross. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's just my idea. Yeah, <laughs> I think a, it could have. There's a great idea in there. It's just why sell an arm? <laughs> yeah, why sell an arm? Why? The thing is. As you
0: said, the problem is if you don't know about Resident Evil already. Basically, if you have not, if you're not one of the few people that has proper, properly pre-ordered that game already, then you don't know what that store is, and you go to it, no. and you just think like, "Ugh, this looks yeah. terrible." <laughs> then you have the association. Then the association that you have with that game is that actual flesh, because that's real meat shaped like human meat, and that's not going to make you go online and buy that game.
1: I think all, all you needed to do was just have, um, the butcher and the cashier be made up to look like zombies. That would have been really funny. I think if they're selling like steaks, real actual meat, that's fine. But then the people working there are all done up like resident evil characters. I think that would have been enough for people to be like, oh, I get it. It's a zombie store. (laughs)
0: Yeah. At least to some way linked it, but this actually links to cannibalism. (laughs) <laughs> what you doing there? which is not even a theme in Resident yeah. Evil 6 as far as I'm aware well okay with zombies fair enough a little bit but
1: yeah but oh, it's more God. about bio yeah it's just what I have poured. it's so expensive
0: as well it's so expensive yeah. for such little effect only for people to be like ugh and then they complain about it and then the store has to be closed down cool
1: you know I remember when the Resident Evil 2 remake was coming out um, I went to PAX South and they had an incredible haunted house set up. And it was the idea that you were trapped in the Raccoon City Police Department. And there were people in, in zombie outfits and stuff. And the outside was made to look like the real setting. Like, you know, I think that that fits more with what you're trying to sell compared to uh, a hand. Yeah, but it's also it's
0: just a nice experience as well. Yeah, because you can go into that haunted house and you have some kind of Let's say uh, an experience of an aesthetic quality that you can attach to this game, and then you feel more like inclined to buy it or get curious about it. Whereas disgust is arguably one of the worst ways to tell people to buy a product. It's like, look how disgusting it is. And they're like, oh.
1: (laughs) And and yet, uh, there was this is a bit of a tangent, but I think one worth going on. Uh, There seems to have been. Some weird, I don't know if this was the same in Germany. It was certainly true in America. There was a link between disgust and grossness and video game advertising. Because it was, I don't know if it's just like, oh, it's video games are for the boys and boys like gross stuff or or what. But there was a good 15, 20 year period where it was just marketed as, look at how gross and weird this thing is.
0: Yeah, I think so. It, It kind of desire to be edgy.
1: Yeah, yeah for sure. Ed, edge is the name of the game. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I've got an recently. edgy one, but before I get to that, it's your turn first because you've got another yes. one as
1: well. So, I have I have a pretty edgy one, I think, in this same kind of time frame. So, you mentioned that one of our our most recent plus episode was the tragic death of the PS Vita. Um I would like to talk about the not so tragic and perhaps well-deserved death of the Nokia N-Gage. <laughs> Do you remember this? The Nokia Engage? What was yeah. that? The Engage was in 2003. Nokia, the phone company, wanted to compete with Nintendo. So they created a handheld gaming device that was, by all accounts, pretty powerful. And it looked like a Game Boy Advance, but it had a lot of extra buttons on it. It was pretty chunky. It was pretty hefty. And I think. If I'm being charitable to the N-Gage, it was one of those w- tragically ahead of its time kind of consoles, where they really could have cornered the mobile gaming market had they played their cards right, but they just yeah, didn't play their cards if, right.
0: If I understand this correctly, then from how you describe it, the device itself was not the
1: issue. There, I don't want to say that. I'm not. I'm not as familiar with the N-Gage technically. I know that it had its own problems. It was a. It was a behemoth. It was uh, not very portable in terms of its battery life. Which is always um, bad for a portable console? Yeah, especially when you're using it to compete against the Game Boy. I mean, as as much as you can rag on the Game Boy, if you put a couple of double A's in the Game Boy Advance, you had a day of gaming there. So it, was, it had its own kind of issues, but it wasn't helped by the fact that the price point was way, way too high. So the price was $299 in 2003, which for context was the same as the launch price of the PS2 when that came out. That's a tough sell. Tough sell for a handheld. And especially when the PS2 went down about half in price, I think in at the time 2003 rolled around. Yeah. So pretty tough. Uh, what really didn't help was when they were advertising the cost of the N Gauge at E3. They had uh, booth babes. Nokia did,
0: and women, never a good. This already starts in a terrible way. That's <laughs> never a good idea. Booth babes, Scant,
1: yeah, scantily clad women, um, who were advertising the N Gauge. So this brand new console was just announced, and their brilliant marketing idea was. Well, we have to let people know how much the N-Gage is going to cost. And we can't just have a sign up at our booth at E3. So what we're going to do is we're going to take permanent marker and we're going to draw $299 on the chests of these women and have them walk around E3. Naked? <laughs> yeah, on, on, not naked, not fully. They were in like swimwear, but it was <laughs> walk around E3. <laughs> so is brilliant. Marketing campaign was: we're going to put price tags on women and walk them around e three. It's unbelievable how, as you said,
0: focused this entire like range of campaigns was on just you know boys, just getting boys' attention, just being like, oh, breasts twenty nine <laughs> two ninety nine. Okay, $2.99. It's like, <laughs> what's the point? Are you trying to tell me that I should just associate the the image of maybe beautiful breasts with your console. Is that really what were you trying to tell me? Is that really like, yeah, it,
1: it, it's, it's a confused message from the off, I think. And I just, I, I, the idea of, I mean, women walking around a public floor with literal price tags written on their bodies to sell, I uh, what and this is this is not my joke. This is from an old flash cartoon. A phone that ate a Game Boy, basically, mm. is what the end gauge was. Yeah. And I think uh I don't know, it just I feel like obviously that didn't solely contribute to the failure of the end gauge, but uh it didn't help things, I can't imagine.
0: <laughs> well, but I can top that edginess because Oh, go for it. I think this might be possibly one of the the worst that i have here like the the most offensive the worst and just crude marketing choices and that is the hitman absolution facebook app this had a very brief life only but um the thing is hitman absolution is genuinely a cool game i really enjoyed it when it came out but from its marketing campaign you would not necessarily be able to tell that it was In early December 2012, that IO Interactive released a Facebook app. Facebook, at the time, was still alive. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Kind regards to Mark Zuckerberg. Meta. (laughs) He's going to do it someday. It's going to catch on.
1: (laughs) Keep it up, pal.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, Facebook was still a really big thing in 2012. Much bigger than it is now, I would say. And uh, you could, in this Facebook app order hits, because this was about Hitman, you could order hits on your friends. And that friend that you ordered a hit on with this app would then receive a private message, which includes a video. And in that video, I looked at a couple of these videos. In that video, you have like this animation of where Agent 47 would draw a gun and would shoot at the picture, at the profile picture of that friend. And then there would be like, like, you know, target eliminated. And (laughs) so you could basically order a hit. You could assassinate your friends. And that in (laughs) itself already should be an idea where if someone pitches this in a a marketing meeting where everyone
1: says like, please don't do that. Surely somebody would say, you know, not everyone knows what Hitman is, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So people (laughs) who don't know what it is are just going to be, be sent. I'm killing you. (laughs) Yeah. This
0: is like expressionless dude with his barcode (laughs) on his bald head just shooting at your picture. And it's like terrifying if you don't know what it
1: is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Terrifying. That's uh, the thing that that I never really get. It's like, this is about communicating what a game is to people that don't know what it is. And maybe that's not the best idea to basically... Like, I get if you, let's say, you you go to a convention... And you love Hitman, you're a big fan. And so there's a dude, I actually interviewed people who were uh, basically cosplaying as Agent 47, which I could do as well because I'm bald too. <laughs> <laughs> but I get then if you, let's say, want a picture taken where he aims a plastic gun at your head and you're just like a big fan and you're just like, hey, cool, you know, he's going to shoot me like yeah. that. I understand yeah, that because you're a fan already. <laughs> but, but if you're a fan already, you don't need to be marketed to because, right. well, you're going to buy it already. But the you thing is, is, they thought maybe it, Maybe we can rectify that, maybe we can compensate for that by making it even worse. Because <laughs> if, you, if you do this fake assassination, then yes, your friend's name would be um, uh, displayed and also like target eliminated. And you could choose a reason for this assassination from a list of predetermined reasons. And here are... <laughs> I'm sorry. Is it okay if I read out this? If I read this list? Yeah, I time? hope you, I, No, please.
1: Because it's, <laughs> this, it's I'm,
0: truly it, horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> this is in huge quotation marks. These are the... This is the list of reasons that you could choose for female friends. If you selected a female friend, then here's the following. You can choose as a reason for assassination her awful makeup, her ginger hair, her annoying laugh, her strange odor, her big ears her muffin top, her hairy legs, and her small tits, end quote. By the way, <laughs> if you do this for male people, it's pretty much a similar list, like his smelly odor and such things, or his strange odor, except for the last thing is exchanged, not as in uh, uh, her small
1: tits and his small penis. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, okay, so I should say I'm laughing hysterically. It's awful, right? that's what's funny (laughs) yeah (laughs) you have to think again we keep going back to this but this isn't just like someone decides randomly uh oh that would be fun we should do that this goes through weeks of troubleshooting and thinking of brainstorming, thinking of ideas, getting it through different levels of authority, you know, saying, yes, this is what we want to do on Facebook. So the idea of just, it was somebody's job for like probably a good two months to say, um, what should the reason where you're killing your friend be? Should it be her small tits? Yeah. I think that would be, Mm -hmm. (laughs) be (laughs)
0: And the thing is, not only the entire conceptualization, but also the production, they they had to develop this kind of app. They had to render these videos so that you could insert. They put so much effort into this. And what they had created eventually was the perfect tool for cyberbullying. Because, yeah, of course. <laughs> because Because, I mean, before you still had to basically go into Photoshop and just... Do like crude photoshops of people being assassinated if he didn't like them. Now you can just do that via the Hitman app. Amazing. And and basically hurt hurt and bully them. Uh, Of course, journalists quickly uh, drew attention to the app. And it was taken down by Square Enix a few hours only after it had been launched. And they said in their statement, quote, Earlier today... We launched an app based around Hitman App Solution that allowed you to place virtual hits on your Facebook friends. (laughs) How that even (laughs) sounds, right? You would... (laughs) (laughs) Those hits would only be viewable by the recipient and could only be sent to people who were confirmed friends. We were wide off the mark with that app. And following feedback from the community, we decided the best thing to do was remove it completely and quickly. This we've now done. We're sorry for any offense caused by this.
1: End quote. I will say, uh, uh, in the apologies we've heard, uh, that is the best one. I don't know how, it might be damning with faint praise, but... (laughs) at least they took accountability for their stupid decision. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think anything else would not would not have been gone over well. If they would have said like like a statement like Sony did, we're sorry yeah. that some people are offended by a perfectly legitimate marketing, then I Look, think you just uh, didn't
1: get it, okay?
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm actually glad that they owned up to it and they said like this is really not this was not a good idea. We're widely off the mark and I think it's just it's baffling that you wouldn't see that earlier. Yeah. But uh Still, it was a short-lived app and it now exists in the hall of fame of the most terrible marketing choices any company in the world has
1: ever made. What a, what a hilarious story that, oh man. Well, I, I have from the ridiculous to the sublime or vice versa, I guess, depending on how you look at it. So this, this definitely, I think deserves its own episode, but I think I would be remiss in not bringing it up. The no man's sky press debacle. <laughs> yes, that happened. Yeah. So I will say before I get into this, I want to say No Man's Sky is a really cool success story in video games and I think that Sean Murray and the people at Hello Games are really admirable for what they've done with their game um since this really rocky start. So I want to put that out there like this is not a Hitman <laughs> Absolution story. This is a nice story eventually. It is, yeah. Yep. Yeah. But it has a pretty rocky beginning. So, Hello Games was this um, small video game developer. They had made a couple of games called Joe Danger, I think. They were kind of semi-popular mobile games, and they had this idea for a procedurally generated space game that would eventually become No Man's Sky. And they did a fair job of marketing this, at least to Sony, because Sony bought them up and said, "We're going to, we're going to have a major." marketing campaign around this game and what that largely amounted to was sean murray the face of hello games and no man's sky being paraded around to every outlet that would hold up a microphone and he would be asked these questions about what this game was going to be and he wildly oversold the capabilities of this game
0: I think, to be no. fair, that yeah. there was like there was uh, certainly an incentive to do that, an economic incentive. But from rewatching these clips of Sean Murray being on all kinds of talk shows and, and late night shows and, and basically advertising this game, I just feel like he himself believed in that's what it would be when it comes out, right? He
1: yes, I think I want to make very clear. I don't think any of this was done maliciously. I think that um, Sean Murray strikes me as hes I think he's admitted to this too. He's not a very um, sociable person. And so for him to be kind of the, he's the head of Hello Games. So he had to go and be the face of this game. You can tell how uncomfortable he is on stage and being interviewed. I think he's much more comfortable behind the desk problem solving. And he wasn't able to do that when he was out paraded by Sony to market this game that I think he did think was going to, be like this and in fairness right it is like this now they've done all this work um but at the time that was not the case and so he went on all these shows i think the biggest thing that kind of damned them was there was an e3 demo that was kind of sold as oh we're going to boot up the game and it's going to be this random procedurally generated event but it was all scripted which is not uncommon for E3 demos but i think people had this understanding that if any of them were going to be true random experiences no man's sky would be so when it was revealed that is not the case people were very upset um and there was this whole mythos around this press release that all he was doing was lying and some of the quote lies were About features that were going to be in the game so there's so many you can look up online kind of what was asked about and what he thought was going to be in the game but just some of these things were planetary physics ship classes with meaningful differentiation that you could use in the game factions and reputations space station and fleet destruction npcs outside trading posts and other docks talking to you in atmosphere battles like this was To anyone who's played a video game before, and you knew about who Hello Games were prior to No Man's Sky with their Joe Danger games, you would have known, no way is this happening.
0: Especially if you knew what a small development team that was. You see this very strong reliance on procedural generation, and if you have any kind of experience with what a procedurally generated level in a game looks like, then you're going to be aware that that's not what it's going to be.
1: No. And I think that I have a lot of respect and sympathy for Sean Murray and his team, because I think, like I said, they, they've, I, I mean, no man's sky has won countless awards at this point. And it's this long running really franchise now where they keep adding things, they keep changing and, making it better and they they have like a list of their promises that they've been checking off slowly as time has gone by. And I think to me they're a victim of the hype machine in yeah. a way that we hadn't seen until Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> um which I would argue is more deserving of the the ridicule than No Man's Sky was because um, I remember I didn't know anything about No Man's Sky and when I played it when it came out I had a really meaningful experience because I didn't follow all of the the hype with it. And I haven't gone back to it yet, but I don't know. There's something very admirable to me about Hello Games. And I think that uh, they got a raw end of the deal.
0: It was unfortunately a really missed opportunity to create the story of an incredibly successful underdog. Yeah. Because what they instead did, they did it the the wrong way around. They took the underdog, it was genuinely an underdog studio, and they pulled them to the very forefront and basically sold it as if this was a triple A production studio with, I don't know, like Ubisoft size, (laughs) you know, with thousands of people who work on every single planetary detail to make it just right, which was arguably not the case. They were certainly overworked they they were he was bombarded with questions and i think it was not right that he just that he that he lied that he knew that there were things that would not make it into the game and he still said it yeah. because well maybe he had a deal that he had to say those things anyway it all went terribly wrong they could have had this kind of story of let's say a game that comes out and it's like super small at first and there's like a fan base Around it, where some people play it very dedicatedly, but most people don't really care. And then over time, it develops into this kind of thing where people are saying, "Like, wow, this is wow, like really cool." Yeah. Now you don't. You, if you didn't have that hype, then you would have a nice game, No Man's Sky, that some people are big fans of, and others have never heard of it. And then over time, it would become this thing where people would say, "Yeah, if you want to play a game with like you know space exploration, crafting, resource stuff."
1: then No Man's Sky is really your thing. Yeah. So really fascinating history. If you, that's a rabbit hole that's really fun to go down. And I think uh, Sean Murray is a really interesting character. Hello Games is a really interesting studio. And uh, if you want an example of (laughs) maybe one of the worst marketing campaigns uh, that had real world effect on people's mental health, (laughs) I would look into this because it's quite a story.
0: It's tough. He really had to go. He really had to step back. He really had to go out of the the, uh, the firing line because uh, people were really harping down on him. And uh, man, I can't even fathom how tough that must have been. So uh, I'm glad that they turned it around. I'm glad that they, they made the right decision. Uh, I assume that Hello Games, in cooperation with Sony, made the right decision of saying, "Okay, stop it. No more interviews." No more marketing stuff. You sit down, you work on your game, and we believe that you can turn it around. We'll give you these years to just work on it and make it what it was supposed to be. That was the best decision that they made throughout this entire process. you? Speaking <laughs> <Sorry>. of decisions. <laughs> a little bit of a more lighthearted story. These yeah. are our last three uh, terrible marketing choices and number three on this list here. Sorry, I shouldn't number it that way. It's actually number seven now, right? Yeah, I think No, so. number, number eight. Eight, number eight. eight. Yep. Sorry, I can't. I'm terrible at math. <laughs> actually, you know, just as a side anecdote, I am terrible at calculating in my head, but I'm really good at more abstract mathematics. I've always had like a full score in math in school, but I couldn't calculate without a calculator. Like even like the smaller number, I, I need to always use a calculator because I'm really terrible at it. But when it comes to more abstract formulas, I'm like, ah, oh, okay, now I can think logically and then it makes sense. I don't have to just
1: memorize, you know? No, I'm, I'm much more at home in, uh, in the humanities where there's no definite answer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: there would have been a definite
0: answer to the question of whether you should send brass knuckles to journalists.
1: <laughs>
0: Unfortunately, Bethesda was not aware. Of this uh, choice, uh, excuse me, EA. That was EA, not Bethesda. I conflated this because um, I was I was to, I was about to introduce this anecdote by saying that it is actually not that rare that a studio or a, a uh, publisher would send some kind of like gifts and gimmicks to journalists when they send them press copies. It is these days it is not that frequent anymore I feel, at least for our case, because usually when we get a review, uh, then we usually do that with a review code, where you just get an email and it has the code in it, and there's maybe like a PDF that's like a a press kit with some information, but I remember that a couple of years ago I actually received uh, some promotional material for Rage 2 uh, by Bethesda, and they sent me like a a branded boomerang, it was like a, a a, a toy. It was like oh, really fun. well made, and it was fun. We threw it around outside a little bit and had a a, a nice afternoon throwing that boomerang. <laughs> However, in two thousand nine, EA went a little bit over the top. They wanted to promote their game, The Godfather Two, and they thought it would be really befitting when they sent these press kits to journalists to put in a pair of real brass knuckles. <laughs> Alas, <laughs> the thing is, and nobody appeared to have considered this, brass knuckles are actually illegal in several states, including Nevada, Illinois, California, and New York. And then also, also many other countries in Germany, brass knuckles are illegal. You ought not to own a pair of brass knuckles. <laughs> and the thing is uh, that they, yeah, had then realized this when people pointed out like, dude, you just sent me like an illegal weapon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the EA tried to recall them. And I just oh couldn't God. help but imagine how EA would reach out to these journalists. They would be like, uh, uh, you really need to send those brass knuckles back, please. We now, are in listen, deep I, trouble.
1: I, I'm not saying we committed a federal crime. But <laughs> if, if we had, maybe just, could you do us a favor? <laughs> if you happen to have received a pair of brass knuckles...
0: Uh, would just you maybe like sweep them under the rug <laughs> yeah maybe wrap them up so they are not detectable in a package <laughs> just quickly send them back <laughs> oh
1: i love to like even even skirting the um the legality of it there's something very sinister like there's some okay rage two boomerang that's fun boomerangs are fun right yeah and it was but, also a plastic
0: <laughs> thing it was like it was not an actual weapon it was just a
1: fun thing right it was a yeah toy. It's, it's not like it's not like they you know, uh, they sent you like a lethal object, but like the idea of it's—it's it's rather threatening to get something like that in the mail. Like, what is this message? Especially when you're promoting a mafia game. <laughs> Where's yeah. like what does this message mean? I got brass knuckles from EA. Are they gonna come around my house and <laughs> oh man? Well, I'm just glad that
0: they didn't send like a horse head or something.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, like that was probably our our marketing guy said, What about this? And maybe that was the one time they said that's a little too much. That's
0: actually. a little too far. Let's just send <laughs> yeah. illegal weapons. That will be fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> man. Oh man. Well Shall we do I the have... final two ones? Yes. And I the think big finale. Uh, do we have because this is quite a finale. Do we have any honorable mentions that we're thinking of? Mm, mm, honorable mentions. Not that I can recall. I just have one. And it, it came to mind when I, we were talking about the gross stuff. Um, so Earthbound was advertised in Nintendo Power with a scratch and sniff uh, sticker. It It was just like a pile of ooze. And you scratched it, and it smelled awful. And it just said "Earthbound" coming soon. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't like
0: uh, Homefront. Didn't they like uh, like uh, uh, launch a whole bunch of like red balloons somewhere in a harbor, and they all landed in the ocean, and they had to like. Oh
1: yeah, uh, they had to they clean had to them up. They had <laughs> all
0: the trash because they did that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. of course. Also, an honorable mention is in the context of what was that. I think Dante's Inferno?
1: Yes. Where the visceral they, stunt.
0: The visceral stunt where they tried to do um a fake protest in front of the studio and they they hired people to protest in front of the studio uh, because the game was ought to be so edgy <laughs> and it actually was just it was all fake.
1: Yeah, I I think even funnier than that. I don't even think they hired people. I think it was literally people from the EA office. Ah, that or just people went going
0: outside. <laughs> outside, yeah. of just picking yeah. signs and being like
1: stop the game. Stop our game, what? yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. All right. Well, I think we saved the the worst for last because we're going we're going to talk about acclaim now. Both so, of the last
0: ones are about acclaim.
1: Yes, and you you have quite a few examples. I want to lead into those with one of my favorites, which I saw that you hadn't picked, which was uh, acclaim for their video game Virtua Tennis Two. Uh, at Wimbledon in 2003 released 20 pigeons that they had painted the Virtua Tennis 2 icon on (laughs) in the Wimbledon stadium. And they were just, they were just flown around. And I guess the hope was that maybe 20 people in Wimbledon would see this advertisement on these pigeons, (laughs) but God. They did this, and and this is, I, I dug up an IGN article from the time, and I, I loved this. It just said, there's no word yet on what type of marketing plan the American branch of Acclaim has in store for its upcoming gladiator game, Sword of Vengeance, but we swear on all that is good and holy that if it unleashes a swarm of naked guys wearing Roman helmets during this Saturday's upcoming Lennox-Lewis-Vitali-Klitschko fight, we'll call it quits indefinitely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just terrible. It's actually... You must say, I must give them credit for how consistently acclaim has missed the mark <laughs> with its marketing choices.
1: They are batting a thousand when it comes to terrible ideas. It's pretty wonderful in a way. <laughs> I, I,
0: basically we all we gave all of these ma- terrible marketing choices their own small titles and the title that I had for this one is Acclaim Destroys Itself With Poor Marketing Choices <laughs> because <laughs> They kept making such terrible marketing choices that people would get just like exceedingly frustrated with how annoying they were. They, I don't think they've ever made a good marketing choice. So the last one is basically a short wrap up of some various different marketing choices just so you get a feel for what they did. For example, in 2002, this was one year before they released the pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> B-
1: BP before pigeons yeah,
0: before pigeons <laughs> 1 year before they released the pigeons they wanted to advertise their new game 2 Rock Evolution and they offered 500 pounds and a free Xbox to 5 British citizens if they officially changed their name to 2 Rock <laughs> <laughs> I just love how comically low that amount is. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say 500 pounds. Changing my... Do you know how expensive the administrative (laughs) fee is to have my name changed?
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're not even... They probably weren't. I you could do research. It was probably more expensive to have your name changed in two thousand two. They pro, they weren't even paying for the name change. They were just giving you an Xbox and some debt to name yourself Turok. <laughs> <laughs> this is just so terrible.
0: And the thing is that obviously nobody did this. So what they did, and and this is Connor Mekar from VJ Twenty Four Seven dot com. He actually went out in 2020 and he looked for people that had won in this competition and he found that all of those people that had seemingly won they were all hired actors that they (laughs) ought to pretend to be named Turok they made like fake social media profiles and said like I've changed my name to Turok I get the free xbox and so on
1: oh man and the thing is Imagine, (laughs) imagine turning in your, your CV, like you're, you're auditioning for some role at, at, you know, I don't know, like a commercial for gum or something. And they just say, oh, I see that you've worked on a number of different projects. Can you explain this Turok thing? Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) and then you need to first start off and explain what Turok even is. And that's going to, that's going to get you in trouble already. Mm. (laughs) So there was this old game where you shoot dinosaurs, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, it's not worth the scrutiny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they also, in case that uh, amount, the 500 pounds, that was too little, they also offered 10,000 US dollars to any parent that would name their newborn child Turok. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, little Turok. Uh, little baby Turok. But you have I to imagine how terrible, what a terrible idea that is. I mean, unfortunately you have to always consider that some people are really unpredictable and that you can't exclude the possibility that there are people who say, well, $10,000, US I mean, I'll damn my child for life by naming it Rock, <laughs> but it's also $10,000, you know? Oh, my
1: God. Well, and then, you know, you that kid grows up and, you know, they go by Rocky because that's a reasonable name. And then they say, oh, is that... Is that short for anything? I (laughs) I don't want to tell you.
0: The thing is, though, if then that kid grows up, has a long and beautiful life, and eventually dies, of course. People do that sometimes. And then Acclaim has another idea. Another great idea. Because then they promoted their game called Shadow Man Second Coming, (laughs) in which you play a character who's an undead person. And then Acclaim offered that they would take over the funeral costs, which are often exceedingly high, for everyone who agrees to put an advertisement for Shadow Man on the gravestone.
1: <laughs> Here lies Turok. Turok. Brought, <laughs> Brought to presented you by Shadow by Man. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Shadow <Man's> second coming.
0: <laughs> and the thing is, people were really not happy about that. Because, again, <laughs> it's one of these situations where you know you, your loved one dies. You're in a terrible place. Maybe you are in an economically also terrible place and you think, how am I ever going to realize that, that funeral that's going to be so tough on me? And here they come saying, your problems can all go away. <laughs> just let us have that. It's just a small little logo on their tombstone. You, In a couple of years, you will barely notice it anymore, you know?
1: Oh my God. I just, I imagine, you know, all right. And it has to be officiated by the acclaimed priest who will end the service by saying, and don't forget to go out and buy Shadow Man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Christ. My goodness. They also did something. It's the last one uh, that I have on here. When they released Burnout 2, a racing game, they offered to pay off any speeding tickets (laughs) in the UK on the day of release. So basically, that, that game comes out, and on that day, you can speed as much as you like. and uh, uh
1: claims dime.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's all on them, uh, which is terrible. Both of these ideas, by the way, were quickly stopped by uh, officials, by the authorities, by people who said, uh, you can't do that. Uh, uh, do you realize what you are doing? When you tell people that you can speed as much as you like, and we're going to pay the bill... You're basically incentivizing people to drive recklessly to speed, and to yeah. harm others. It's like, this is going too far. And how could nobody realize that at Acclaim?
1: It's just <laughs> a a wonderful, you know, as we were going through all the other ones, I, I mentioned there's the kind of idea I think that a lot of marketing executives have that all press is good press. So even in these cases where things go south, the controversy is in itself marketing, Right but what's kind of cathartic about acclaim is that they failed horribly <laughs> with all of these stunts so it's not always true right i mean we're we're looking back on it fondly because of how insane it was but they're not still around. they're not around making these decisions anymore
0: yeah if that would happen nowadays i think You'd be gone so fast, I mean, yeah. there's still terrible marketing choices that happen these days, but seriously, someone offering to pay off speeding tickets or putting advertisement on a gravestone painting pigeons
1: <laughs>
0: i mean it's it's just that as if they had no filter, you know as if these these marketing meetings were just like um anything goes, you know,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got a crazy idea, why don't we do it? <laughs> oh man those were our terrible
0: marketing choices. Please let us know what kind of marketing choices you thought of as we went through these. Maybe you've got a couple of tips that we overlooked. Let us know by reaching out to podcast at studyingpixels.com. And in the meantime, we'll go ahead and do some side questing. Go to prettylitter.com and use code
2: ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: As you know, in our side quests, we venture through the internet to bring you stories and articles that we find interesting and relevant. And we also talk about our own impressions of games that we are currently playing. And you can find all the links that we reference
1: in the show notes number one well uh uncle nintendo came along and said uh surprise xenoblade chronicles 3 is coming out in july uh they've been doing this with their games recently like uh just saying actually they're ready now we're going to no big fuzz anymore no not really no big marketing
0: Um, no terrible marketing choices just being like hey
1: here's a game it's for you you know what we're about yeah it reminds me of I think the first time in recent memory this happened was, um, remember when uh, Paper Mario and the Origami King came out, and it was just out? Yeah, it was just that. So, cool, I'll take it. Um, but in preparation for that, I'm a, a big fan of JRPGs, as you know, Stefan, and I do like Xenoblade. Um, but I hadn't played Xenoblade Chronicles since it came out on the Wii. And so... A couple of years ago now, they came out with the Definitive Edition. It's this beautiful collector's edition for the uh, for the Switch. So I picked that up when it came out, and I've been diving into it lately, planning to play through this, play through the second one, so that I'm timing uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 perfectly in July. So it is a beautiful remaster on the Switch. And I would say that uh, it makes me feel like there are so many Wii games that were always meant to be on the Switch. Yeah. And Xenoblade Chronicles feels like one of them. So I've been going through it. I think I'm probably about halfway through. It's a huge game. Um, but it's beautiful and I'm I'm playing it on the Switch. And there's we've talked about this before, there's something really alluring to playing these massive JRPGs on the handheld Switch. Cause you can kind of just pick it up and put it down whenever you like. And I've been really enjoying the story this time around and have been shocked to remember how philosophically dense these Xenoblade games are. I've heard
0: that, Um, yeah. I've heard that they are very
1: dense and very abstract video games. Very abstract, to the point where as much as I'm loving playing it handheld, I do have to really pay attention to it. So sometimes I'll maybe have a TV show on in the background and I'll have to pause the show or mute it because a scene will come on where it's all of this JRPG exposition that's delivered so quickly that you have to you have to really pay attention and pick up on all the details and the names. But what's so interesting is that unlike a lot of other JRPGs, it manages to balance all of that jargon with really emotional scenes that grip you. And I think Most games either have one or the other, where it's really heavily, uh, heavy vocabulary and a lot of jargon for the fantasy world, or it's really simple, like a dragon quest, where it's very emotional and fun. Xenoblade Chronicles is a really good mix of it, and I'm really enjoying playing through it again. How would you assess the difficulty of Japanese in Xenoblade Chronicles? Are you playing it in Japanese? Yeah, so... I would say it's, it's, it's pretty difficult (laughs) (laughs) because, because of the philosophy in it. Um, so there is like, uh, there's a lot of dense ideas of uh, Xenoblade is no stranger to kind of platonic ideas and, Uh, There's some ideas from Leibniz thrown in there. And there's all of these things that are difficult enough in English, uh, let alone trying to parse in Japanese. So add on top of that the fact that in in English, all of the characters speak in British or English accents. And so when you're playing it in English, there are people with posh accents. There are people with Cockney accents. There are people with Irish accents. (laughs) In Japanese, it's like... I have to just figure out how rude is this person being (laughs) and how should I then interpret their station in life. (laughs) So there's a lot of switching back and forth. So it's, I think I wouldn't recommend it as like a game to learn Japanese because it's very dense. It's
0: way beyond my level from the way you explain it, Japanese level, but at the same time it does sound like an interesting RPG because I've always heard about Xenoblade Chronicles and I know that it has a huge fan base. I have never played a single Xenoblade Chronicles game, even though I do very much appreciate JRPGs. Maybe I should do that.
1: I think, I think you would get a lot out of it. It's, it's very... Uh, it, it sucks you in very quickly. And I think that what I really appreciate about it is as dense as it is, it moves at such a quick pace that you don't feel like you have to slog through a bunch of stuff to get to the interesting parts. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth it. And I'm interested to see, I don't know much about Xenoblade Chronicles three, um, except that it seems to take place in the same world as this first Xenoblade Chronicles. So, That's interesting, too, and I'm enjoying getting a refresher on the world of Xenoblade Chronicles 1 because it's very intricate and there's a lot of really cool ideas thrown in there.
0: Um, I might put it on my list. The thing is, though, I'm always a bit wary of games that are exceedingly long because I take so much time playing games. I just realized that in the last couple of weeks, more than ever before, which leads me actually to number two, which is my side quest, that Stefan's adventures adventures in the lands between. So I'm talking about Elden Ring. Still, the thing is, I've played Elden Ring now for I think a good 140 hours. Uh I'm I'm not nearly done with it. Like I'm I'm not sure whether I can ex- assess how far I am, but I would say probably around 70%. So I'm moving at a at a good pace, but still a lot slower than many other people. And I've been wondering, why is that? How come that, for example, uh, I know that you started playing Elden Ring before me, like I think two or three weeks before, because I went into Horizon uh, Forbidden West first. Right, right. And then I jumped in for our Elden Ring review discussion. And in the meantime, while I'm now, while I've been playing Elden Ring, (laughs) I noticed that you've platinumed the game and you've also played like 10 more games (laughs) since then. (laughs) And I've been thinking, how is that possible? And uh, I mean, one of the reasons might be, of course, that I don't have, maybe I don't have as much time to play, but I also noticed that it's also connected to the way I do play. Because for example, in Elden Ring, that's the main thing that I wanted to mention. I've got this weird rule for myself that I need to defeat every enemy at least once. It makes the game a lot longer.
1: Yeah, like in an in an area, you mean. Like if there's, if you, before you proceed through a door or a gate or something, you want to yeah. make sure that you've cleaned out the area. Yeah, and the thing is that even though there might be the opportunity to
0: go past enemies or to just, you know, basically you butt your head against them a couple of times and then you realize like, okay, they're just here like as a roadblock, but I can easily pass them by. Then I will still continue to butt my head against them until eventually I defeat them. And even if that's what kept me for these last couple of days, there's like an area and I had done pretty much everything except for like two enemies that were like huge uh, roadblocks. They were not roadblocks. They were huge optional enemies. Yeah. And you could easily say, okay, um, I'm going to come back to this later. And I did this a couple of times in Elden Ring, but... I would often just simply try sometimes for like two evenings fighting the same kind of enemy always running all the way there then fighting these enemies until I finally got them which I then do and then I'm super happy. But I think this just means that I take so much
1: time with Elden Ring, you know? That makes me think of two different ways to play Elden Ring. So the way I played it was I... Because I'm very familiar with From Software games, I I assumed there was going to be a New Game Plus, so I went through the game and I did as much as I as much as I found, but I stuck to the story pretty strictly. Then I went and played the second one, and I found new things, and I, I went and played the third New Game Plus, and I found some new things, and so by the time I played through maybe four or five New Game Plus cycles, I feel like I I had gotten a ton out of Elden Ring. I feel like the the way that you're doing it is you're seeing everything on the, the first, first time. yeah, The first time. So yeah. I'm going to be curious, will you even do a new game plus? Will be my thought. That's the thing. Because I think not
0: for now. No, not for the time being. Because unless there's something new that comes in, in addition to what there was before, which I'm not sure of, is there? Mm. Is there something new in the new game plus? Or is it just you basically just, you're keeping some things, you're keeping some
1: progress, and yeah. you have to, you basically start over. Yeah, you, it basically wipes the slate clean, except for your stats and items and stuff. Which is, I guess, a, a pretty smart way to do it, because the thing is that if you do
0: that, then you have a more invested experience of the story, and then you go through and you do the optional stuff, and by that point you are already quite a bit stronger, so you don't you you don't have to butt your head against enemies as much as you do if you do everything in the first run. In this case now, it's just that the first run is taking me forever. Uh, and uh, then once I'm done with it, once the credits roll, I'm just like, okay, so that was Elden Ring for me.
1: I, I think that there's a lot of merit in doing it that way though, because we've talked before about multiple endings and you know how how are you interpreting the game and its story. And I think that if you spend that much time with it, Whatever outcome you get, that feels like your outcome, and then you walk away from it and you say, "That was my experience with Elden Ring." Yeah. Whereas, you know, I I went into it thinking there's going to be a few endings. I want to see all of them. I'm going to do this as much as I need to. <laughs> you know?
0: I often do this. I often do that. That I that I think uh, I'm a, a game with multiple endings. I will usually play it through once, and then. If the other endings intrigue me, I will play it, like, maybe a year later, I will come back to it. Or if I say, okay, the endings intrigue me, but the game itself not so much, then I would watch the other endings on YouTube and just be like, okay, now I've seen them. (laughs) But this one that I've unlocked, that is mine. And in Elden Ring, that is very true, because... There are so many side quests that you can do and so many that you can miss. And because they are so easy to miss, what I always do is when I'm done with this particular area, I go back to every single NPC <laughs> and I talk to them, seeing whether they have anything new to say. And often they would, and then it would lead me down a different path. And so, yeah, I, th- I hope that it's going to be like uh, an ending that really feels significant to the choices and to the
1: paths that I've taken. I'll be curious to hear how it ends up. I, I have to know now though, to round this segment out with all those NPCs you've been talking to, do you have a favorite character in Elden Ring?
0: A favorite character. Ooh, I think, let me briefly ponder. Mm. I mean, I find, uh, Rani, the witch is obviously a, a very interesting character, but I, I think it's, she's a too obvious pick. So instead, I think a character that has intrigued me very early on is uh, the 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 lady at the very beginning. This is actually how the game introduces side quests. She's like sitting in a shack before you enter the first castle, Storm Stormvale Castle, and she talks about I her understand. men that she's lost, the men that have been grafted, and you can do some side quests for her. And later, she becomes a character that's like important to upgrade uh, a certain part of your equipment. She, I think, was the one that most intrigued me, because at that time, I didn't know what would happen. I didn't know what's going on in this game, and suddenly this lady speaks to me, and she's like, hey, can you do this for me? And so, it's like, it's
1: kind of cool. Yeah, I like that character, too. Roderica, I think is her name. Roderica, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great introduction to that first boss, too, because she kind of gives you hints at what horrors await you in that castle.
0: Yeah, and, and she's kind show. of, she's also one of the few characters. She's just so kind. She's just like, yeah, I've lost my path. I don't know what my des- what my destiny holds, and I'm just gonna like go ahead and see. But do you have a character, or is it going to be a spoiler? Is it gonna, is it like a very late game character?
1: No, I don't think, I don't think I have. I don't think it would be a spoiler. I really, I really like Radon, um, as a character, and his backstory is so interesting to me. Um, and I, I would say that I have a very soft spot for patches, uh, wow. especially in that, in that Radon fight where if you, if you happen to summon him, he just runs away. <laughs> he does.
3: amazing. Yeah, it's great
1: because you, you know, you, you can summon all those people to help you fight Radon and patches is one of them. He shows up and then like maybe 10 seconds later, just says patches has returned to his world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> patches patches is cool you're right because patches is always unpredictable patches is the kind of character and this is not this is not a story spoiler but one thing that i found really amazing is that when you you enter when you meet him you can open a a treasure chest and if you do that (laughs) then he's like oh so you're the kind of guy who takes my stuff and something you know and it's like (laughs) he's he's tricking you a little he's tricking you throughout the entire game over and over i find that really cool
1: He's a lovable jerk that patches.
0: A really lovable jerk. Mm. Well, there's more Elden Ring to come, but I'll be curious, what do you think? Do you have any kind of very particular rules that you play by, that you impose upon yourself and that change the way that you're playing video games? If you want to tell us about that, then you can reach out by heading over to studyingpixels.com slash contact. Thank you so very much for listening. And by the way, oh, we have an announcement. Next week, we're going to take a break because actually I'm, I'll be on vacation. Um, so we'll have to take one episode off and then we'll see each other again in June, right? Well, first week of June. Yes. Okay, so see you then and enjoy the rest of your day.
3: Bye-bye.